Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Reality TV and Me. I am here with David Cannon from Married at First Sight Season 7. So everyone reliving this experience in Australia, get set, and everyone living it for the first time in the US and UK at the moment. Look, it is a wild ride. <laughs> David, thank you so much for joining me. And I think I have to say yee-haw to you today with that cowboy hat on, looking swish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's just the way it's done over here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, like, I I open my Skype and I see you sitting there with your cowboy hat, looking all like ready to go, lasso a cow or whatever it is that farmers do. And it's almost like you're in theme to be a farmer, because I, I guess I'm way too suburban at this stage. I'm far too removed that I didn't know that people like you actually existed anymore. It's kind of fun. <laughs> wow. It's not exactly that glamorous. If you picture my morning this morning, I was picking up horse poo after morning. So it's not exactly the glamorous lifestyle, but I love it. It's beautiful out here. Look, sadly. Nice and clean and, and fresh. Yeah. Sadly, uh, my I'm babysitting my mum's cat at the moment and my morning has been not dissimilar to yours uh, rather than horse shit. It's been cat shit all over my tiny apartment. So, look, Delightful. it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty dark over here. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw a picture of you on your Instagram, might have been from a few weeks back now, with um, a couple of baby, they weren't horses, they were baby donkeys. Donkeys, yeah. Oh my so it's pretty rare, actually. There, um, there's only been a couple of uh, successfully birthed baby donkeys in the whole entire world. So, wow. uh, in terms of twin donkeys, that is. So normally one comes out okay, and the other one's quite deformed. But to have two healthy baby donkeys, it's quite a rare thing. So. Very privileged to give them some cuddles. Let me tell you, they were so bloody cute. Are they still? little babies you can pick up or are they fully grown now? No, no, they're still little babies. They're doing well. So I actually saw them on Wednesday last week. They were good. So I'm doing well. So did you end up applying for anything like Farmer Wants a Wife or were you just straight into maths? No, I was straight into maths. And maths it sort of just sort of fell into my lap. It wasn't um, a serious application when I first applied. It was very much um, so I, a friend of mine posted something on my Facebook and um, I thought I'd stir my mum up by showing my name at the top of an application of maps, but <laughs> they must have some sort of software where they, they it doesn't matter what part of the application you're at, they can still contact you. And um, yeah, so that was that. And then I, before I knew it, I had a Skype interview and before I knew it, I was in, in the city and... And, like, I didn't take it very serious. I, I rocked up in a $10 Kmart shirt and uh, <laughs> my boots were covered in food dye from a B&S on the weekend and I'd been throwing hay all morning, so I stunk. Uh-uh. And, uh, <laughs> and my smoky Mitsubishi Triton was coming into Turak. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I just rocked up to have a chat and and uh, I guess they liked my Aussie attitude and, and before you knew it, um, I was on the show, but... It's quite a grueling sort of process to get on the show. Um, so when my first application was probably in February, and then by the time you're actually on the show, it's it's probably three or four months later. So you know probably August or so. I think it was August 21 we went in, and um, 
October 21. Don't quote me on that. But um, so in that three or four months, they it's quite a grueling sort of interview process about what you would like in a partner, what you wouldn't like in a partner, and, and you wouldn't go through all that if you weren't genuinely interested in finding a partner at the other end of it. So... Um, yeah, it was quite the journey, that's for sure. Yeah, I heard from um, Poppy that they did kind of sniff tests and pheromone tests and all kinds of things to see if you could sniff yeah. out the right person. I mean, it really does seem like they kind of, like when you see Watch a Show, it looks a little bit haphazard, like maybe they just threw a selection of people together to kind of tra- cause drama, especially this season. But when I the more I talk to people... Um, from the show, I've realized that they actually do put a quite a bit of effort into finding the right person. So what do you think went mm. wrong this season? Cause there were so many matches that just clashed. No, I, I don't, I just don't think they're fact finders. I think they do all that testing so they can 100% put a group of people together. That's going to create interesting TV. Right. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the things that were said to us is they're not a dating service. They are there to make a television program. So, for example, um, there was one particular. I was speaking to Haley about this on the honeymoon, actually, and for the the pheromone test, um, there was one particular T-shirt that was covered in dog hair. Well, a hundred percent, that would have been my T-shirt, right. and she actually refused. She actually refused to smell it. So, in terms of pheromone testing, right or wrong. They didn't care, you know. That right. that should have been a massive warning sign, but but she weren't she wasn't going to like me, and I probably wasn't going to like her. So um, I uh, I now that's been the heat of the show sort of calmed down a little bit. I actually think she was just as much ripped off as I was, in that we were sort of paired together for interesting TV, which you guys would have uh, seen the explosion that it led up to um, last episode or so. So. <laughs> Yes, we've just seen uh, the the highlight, the low light of the season, I suppose, with the toothbrush incident, as it is historically known now in Australia. Uh, but it's funny you say, you know, you were paired for, for a television because honestly, um, having spoken to you and having seen Hayley, like you're both pretty low-key, like you seem to be kind of down-to-earth, real kind of people. It seems like it should work to a degree, but uh, I probably disagree with you. (laughs) Tell me, I I think you lived it. We are from absolute opposite ends of the world in every single way. And, um, and that, and not necessarily in the positive way. I mean, Hayley, I'm sure we'll find her Prince Charming one day. Um, but, um, we are probably the most opposite, most opposite people to actually find, um, a relationship. I think if we had have actually worked as a couple, I think the producers would have been absolutely dumbfounded. I don't <laughs> think they would have known what to do because <laughs> there was no doubt in my mind, especially while they were filming too and you sort of saw little things go on behind the scenes, there was no no doubt in my mind that um, Hayley was going to be the show. She was going to be the, you know, the drama and the, the audience catcher and uh, – and I don't think I'm that interesting. So I think I was in there, you know, maybe for someone that might be um, interesting enough to play the bait. So I, I don't know. It was um, 
It was quite a whirlwind being in there. I've never done anything so tough in my whole entire life. Uh, a lot of people have said that. And and honestly, I mean, the long days, the filming schedule, and then to be stuck 24 hours with, with a, a complete stranger, essentially, um, I can't mm. imagine how difficult it would be. And obviously a lot of people's mental health suffered this season. Were you one of mm. those people? Did you find it really, really difficult and have to take a breather like a few people did? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, uh, almost, uh, as far as I'm aware, 100% of the cast had to seek psychological help after wow. the show. Wow. Um, so to put that in context, um, I, I spoke to a psychiatrist multiple times during filming. Um, in my whole entire life, I've never actually had any mental health intervention. So put that in sort of context. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, me and Haley were at loggerheads probably on day two um, of of ever meeting each other. So to put in, in context of how poorly matched we were, I mean, mm. two days in, they showed you a fight on the honeymoon, which was about day six of the honeymoon, six of ten. And um, we had already had about 30 fights before that, that fight, but they made it look like it was uh, the first fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Um, yeah, the magic of TV, that's for sure. <laughs> but even just being in a position where you are fighting with somebody daily, like that's exhausting. I don't know mm. how you didn't walk out. I mean, was there really strict rules about that? Did the producers kind of get in your ear, try and convince you to stay? Well, it was all very much um, what they do. Like they, they sort of, they have, you've got a producer that's your, your buddy and then you've got produce other producers that are also in your ear, and, and you're very heavily manipulated into situations. Um, everyone says, oh, I would have just walked out, but it's not that simple when you've got such a, a thick contract in front of you. Mm. Um, and like they and they bring out this whole charade at the start where they, they sit down, all the executive producers and all the Channel 9 big wigs, and then they'll sit down a, a lawyer in front of you just to explain the contract to you. And so it's all intimidation and, yeah. and standover tactics. And um, look, it's in hindsight, would I do things differently? A hundred percent. You know, I would have been much more of a diva than I was. That's for sure. But um, <laughs> I would have gone, well, fuck this on 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 day one. Mm. But um, you know, you're sort of so invested. Four or five months of investment to get to that point. You've mm. you've basically had to quit your job. You know, you've had all your family and friends, you know, take days off work to do filming and, and stuff. Some of that footage they didn't even use. Um, so you, you're very heavily time invested as well as um, – and so you sort of don't want to give up and you think, well, what if I can just last another week? Yeah. What if I do another week? I'm here and everybody else in the cast really got along. Like not too many people clashed um, that, that I, from the boys' side of things anyway. All the boys got along. Um, I can say each and every single one of them I, at the time I thought was an absolute legend. So, um, you know, so you're kind of there. To, you're having good social experience with the boys, but then, then the other side of it is you're, you know, in this locked in this shoebox um, with, with me and Haley, both six-foot-plus people in this <laughs> tiny little shoebox of an apartment um, without – with a bar fridge to live out of and a tiny little shower and a tiny little balcony. Like that's like we were prison mates, the yeah, cellmates. Nah. 
exactly. Screw that, uh, mate. And we like each other. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, you just like giving me uh, trauma flashbacks to being locked on a. I went on one cruise. I'll never go on a cruise again with my ex, and being trapped in one of those tiny little rooms. And I've known this guy for years at this point, you know, he's the love of my life at the point at that time. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throttle you. I'm gonna throw you over the edge of this boat. So if you already didn't like the person and you're trapped with them, mm-mm, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Look at me and Haley got along uh, for a few days in there for about a week out of, out of about seven weeks. We okay. got along for a week in total. <laughs> And, um, but again, we were just like housemates then by that stage, you know, there was no sort of romantic interest. Um, at the start, like it was a lot of effort trying to create some sort of connection because we kind of believed at that stage, we were still sort of, uh, wrapped up in the bubble of, oh, well they matched us for a reason and everything else. I mean, hindsight clearly says differently, but, um, you know, it wasn't, there were some beautiful moments in there, but um, certainly very few and far between, that's for sure. So so take me back to the wedding day. What was your first impression of seeing Haley? and did you think it was all going to work out or were you pretty sure right away that this girl was not your type? Um, when she's walking down the aisle, I thought she looked beautiful actually. Um and then as she got closer and closer, I started realizing that she's quite tall. Um, and then I, I sort of didn't, and I, I'm generally a, a positive person. So I was like, oh, okay, no worries. And you're trying to sort of, it's a massive build up, you know, you've, mm. you've come in this Bentley of a limo and you got all your friends and family there and you've done weeks of shopping for suits and wedding planning. And, you know, I even had brand new cowboy boots. Um, and they, <laughs> And, uh, and so then we wrote the vows and our vows were very well matched, um, together. And there was a moment where she looked at me and, and said, you know, she really is there for the right reasons and um, that I really believed her. And, um, and then we sort of, then the day went on and we had a reasonably good day and the drinks were flowing or whatnot, but, um, I thought, wow, this person's really loud. Like I, I didn't think I, I'm not, don't normally go for such a quite loud person. Um, and, and I just thought, oh, well, she's just a bit nervous and, and she's just out of her skin a little bit. And then as, as time went on, I sort of realized that she probably wasn't that nervous. It was just Haley's big personality, you know, <laughs> that, that that is who she is. She's the loudest in the room, and she wants all the eyes on her, and that's that's what she is. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I think by the time, then well, the next day was the probably the point. Um, and I actually did a video, a diary video of it, but they didn't show it, which I'm really disappointed that they didn't. But I did a, a diary entry on our little production phone where I. That night, the very first night of the wedding, uh, with the honeymoon, I said, I don't think this girl's into me, eh? At the airport, she was walking 20, 30 meters in front of me at the airport. She had no interest in actually interacting with me at all. So um, I think that at that point, I think that's when we both sort of knew that we weren't, we were on a rocky road ahead of us, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. So she was obviously there more for the TV and the spectacle of it all rather than necessarily finding a soulmate. Yeah. I think, I think history sort of 
I think uh, shows that now. I think mm. if you look at, for example, you look at my Instagram or you look at um, certain other other cast members' Instagram since the show, I went back to work and yeah, my Instagram yeah. has been that's the same, which is horses and cowboy shit. And then if you look at certain other cast members, all of a sudden their whole entire job and everything they do is selling and being an Instagram influencer and trying to be relevant in the media. Uh, for me, I've... You know, this is actually the very first podcast I've been on. It's actually one of the uh, – I did a James Weir interview. Yep. And this is literally the uh, one, the second interview I've I've done. So. Oh, well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the podcast so world. Actually think about my intentions versus other cast members and not just Haley's. If you think about yeah. other people's intentions, you can sort of see I, by the time I got there, I was hoping for love um, and then maybe – other people had ulterior motives. I, I wouldn't say that Haley wasn't open to the idea of love, but I think she has a very strict idea of her type. You know, she likes a bad boy. She likes the guys that are, you know, that understand her past a little bit better from being in her past. Right. Um, and she's she's been, you know, she's been given um, basically a church choir boy where her dad's a policeman of 30, 40, 43 years, you know, I live a pretty clean country lifestyle. So we couldn't have been any more opposite to each other's types um, if they even tried. So Yeah, she didn't necessarily uh, want someone that was going to be cuddling donkeys on the weekend, which, I mean, is fucking adorable. <laughs> and I'm sure there's going to be lots of women listening to this being like screaming at their uh, iPhones right now saying why but um, yeah she was I mean obviously we saw her type was more of the the bad boy as she leaned toward Michael and these two hooked up in a way I mean it was all behind the scenes but for me it was crystal clear that that actually happened do you want to talk to yeah. that a little bit well it's an interesting night how it ha- happened actually um, so Josh was the one that uh, sort of broke all that to me. Um, Vanessa was out the out the front of her hotel room. That's what woke me up in the middle of the night. She was absolutely howling. Um, I thought someone was getting killed out the front of the hotel room. She was really distraught. Wow. Um, and she has her side of the story on on what happened to make her go that way. Mm-hmm. But um, and then one thing sort of eventuated and folded, and I got the different stories from. Vanessa, and I got a different story from Josh, and I got a different. And then, when it all came out, it all sort of aligned and made sense. That um, in my thought, I think, do I think Haley was necessarily attracted to Michael? No, I, I think she was so desperate. She knew I was in a different hotel room at this point, so I, I think she knew I was going to start writing leave, and and no matter what, I, I already bought a. I think the week before I bought a plane ticket to go home. So no matter what she wrote, I was going home. And so I think that her plan, because in previous seasons, the cheaters had been allowed to stay on the show. Right. So I think I think her plan was to try to jump to another partner and stay on the show. And I think the the person that was the weakest in the show was probably in terms of uh, self-control is probably Michael. Michael's the party boy. He loves to drink, loves to carry on, loves to be the center of the tension. And um, I think he was probably the easiest target to, to jump to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and bada bing, bada boom, she made her move. I don't think he had much uh, – he, 
You know, I, I think, um, you know, he, he's being the party boy. I, I think he was just in the moment and uh, that's how that eventuated. So, um, and as you know, there's uh, there's more drama to f- filled with that, that story. What, what could possibly be more dramatic? <laughs> Tell us, tell us about your reaction, because the the viewers have just witnessed, uh, I guess, your your response to finding out this new information. We've had the toothbrush in the toilet incident come to light. Look, I have to say, I there are people on on both sides of the fence. I have spoken to so many people that are like on your side in support of it saying yeah I would have done the same thing people that think it's funny me personally I was like boy bye that was a no for me it just went a little too far but I want to hear it from you well um you know what I'd probably do it again to be honest if I'm gonna be (laughs) blunt blunt with you um look uh I've actually had probably 95 percent of the population have actually supported me in it Wow. I think that's – look, it's, it's not my proudest moment, <laughs> but um, do you know what? And um, the truth of the matter is, is that, um, you know, you reap what you sow. You know, if you're going to disrespect somebody and you're going to treat somebody like she treated me for seven weeks like a piece of shit, mm. right? Um, now, the toothbrush thing, a lot of they, – they just sort of cut a lot of this out, but – there's a the toothbrush wasn't just like oh there's a toothbrush let's go scrub it in the dunny right <laughs> for for seven weeks that woman would not would go to use the the, the toilet and not clean up after herself so I'm not going to be too graphic but I think that that hero- speaks for itself it, yeah I mean put it this way she liked the summer nats and she was pl- happy to leave plenty of skids on the toilet bowl fucking hell and um. <laughs> <laughs> And um, seven weeks, I asked that woman to clean up after herself, which I didn't think was was too much something to ask for. And so, when I was in the toilet, uh, in the in the bathroom, getting my my toiletries to leave that after I found out that she was cheating, I was just like, I looked down in the toilet to take a take a whiz before I left the apartment for the last time, and I'm like, again, there's another skid mark in the bloody toilet. And so I just grabbed her toothbrush and I was like, I'm going to film this for the boys. That'll be funny. And then, um, yeah, scrubbed the dunny. And that was my little F you because I had to live with a grot for seven weeks. So, um, you know, I mean, some people say, oh, you could have got her sick. And um, sorry, the science doesn't support that because you can't get sick from your own fecal matter to start with. Oh, my God. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> fecal yeah, matter is not a word I thought we would be saying on the podcast today. But, look, that's my bad. Yeah, no. I should have been more prepared. <laughs> probably. And uh, let's be honest, probably not the worst thing she's had in her mouth. So, I mean, we can move on from that point. (laughs) I think we have to. I'm just going to awkward laugh. (laughs) I'm just awkward laughing my way um, through it. She was a a good sport about it. Was was she? I I don't think she was real wrapped about it. I think, to be honest, I think she was more upset that she'd been beaten. I think she was more upset that I had the last laugh. Um. You know, um, and and that was the end of it, really. I mean, um, yeah, and like you said, some people think it's disgusting and deplorable, and you know, 
uh, those kinds of people probably wouldn't be wouldn't like me in the first place. So I mean, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no loss there anyway. Most of the people that think it's funny are my kind of people. So you know, well, that's that's what we live in. The other big <laughs> moment was. And this was this absolutely shocked me when she, after all of that, wrote "stay," almost like out of spite to keep you there another week of of torture. Really, um, thankfully, mm. the the experts, and I'm going to say that in inverted commas, the experts uh, didn't make you both stay in the experiment a, a minute longer because they understood that this was a very toxic environment for you both. Wow. Um, but sorry you... to say to, sorry to burst your bubble on that one. Oh, go on. Uh, that's, that's clever editing for you. Um, oh. so there was a deal struck about 10 days prior to that, that I kept to myself. So no matter what she wrote, I had the deal that I was going home. I, I had had it with the whole entire thing. So yeah. Um, they, they twisted it like that to make it look like it was their decision, but uh. that was not the case at all. Um, I made a deal with Tara McWilliams, who's the executive producer, um, that regardless of what she writes, I'm going home. The compromise was that I was to, so they were to pay for my flights and, and get me home in a timely fashion when I wanted. Uh, the compromise was that I would stay to that commitment ceremony. So, um, yeah, so that was that. So that's just the magic so that of TV. The that's exactly right, yeah. So they, they had no say in that whatsoever. They just edited it to make it look like it was their idea. So you so even that moment when she wrote stay, you didn't have that stomach drop moment because you knew you were going to go. Yeah, and um, I we actually sort of um, – so they were going to try and convince her to write leave. And then I, um, so our, our producer that we had um, as our main sort of minder, I said to her, don't try to convince her to write leave. Hmm. Tell her to do whatever she wants to do because she's going to bury herself. And, and just showed that even though she hated me from day one, even though I've done something to her that was quite a, a, a pretty bad thing to do to somebody, it just showed to her that she was, after all that, was there for the fame of it and there because she wanted to get the screen time. So I'm glad she wrote um, Stay because it really did show her true colours coming out right at the end there. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a really tough moment for everybody, I think. Um, what did you – all right, talk me through that dinner party – where you walk in, and I keep saying it's a Joker shirt. It's not a Joker shirt. It's the green one with the question marks. The... Yeah, two seconds. Oh, you're not. <laughs> He's gone to get it, I think. Oh, I should I should auction off this shirt for... Um... <laughs> there it is. You should, actually, the Riddler shirt. Start putting for, in your um... bids, kids, yeah. for the Riddler shirt. Yeah. So there you go. So this was a shirt. <laughs> so I have heaps of shirts, right? Heaps of um, Hawaiian shirts and everything else like that. But um, it, it was by that stage, I was just taking the piss out of the show. Yeah. So they um, <laughs> they would have um, uh, producers tell us what we could wear and what we couldn't wear. So a lot of the time, I wasn't allowed to wear anything outside of that cowboy character. Right. 
um, unless it was for a commitment ceremony or, or you know, you know, there was always some sort of country flair to a dinner party, but for the commitment ceremony, they wanted me to be formal and take it very seriously type thing. So they were very controlling over that. And by this stage, I just didn't give any fuck. I was wearing what I was going to wear. And, and that's where that shirt came into play because I was just like over it. And I think most people got the point that I did not give a fuck by that stage. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. obvious, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, that was quite a nervous night, actually, that dinner party, because I didn't know how that was going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the cheating scandal... Um, so that night of the cheating scandal to that first dinner party, that was two weeks. Wow. So it was, um, and so because they knew that half from that cheating scandal, if you think Stacey and Michael on the rocks, they didn't know how they were going to go. Um, Chris and Vanessa had broken up because it, it occurred in, in their room and Vanessa was outraged by the thing. And there's some more things that went on there. And then, um, and then obviously Haley and I had, were going to slits. So in one foul swoop from that night, they were going to lose three couples that they didn't quite expect. So they put production on hold for two weeks. Um, so that way they could sort of line something up. And I don't know whether Lizzie was sort of lined up prior, but, mm. um, that was sort of the idea, um, that they had to obviously get their eggs together and put them all in one basket to sort of have a show <laughs> because, because really the biggest characters, in my opinion, the biggest characters of the show were going to leave. Yeah. Potentially at the next commitment ceremony. So, and jeez, wasn't a, it was a dinner party to remember, that's for sure. It, Absolutely. Um, it was one of the biggest moments of, if not the biggest moment of the entire uh, series. But yeah, it was, we were definitely all holding our breath in uh, fear. <laughs> I think I speak oh for God. all of Australia where we're just like gritting our teeth and holding our breath. Uh, but look, you made it through alive just a little yeah, bit scared. Yeah, I got a toothbrush that hit me in the head. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You got the scars to show it. But it seems like, honestly, from everyone I've spoken to, everyone's carrying a few scars from their experience on the show. I mean, yeah. would you do it again? Would you go on the show again in hindsight? No, I don't think there's a number big enough that could get me on the show. To <laughs> yeah. be honest. Uh, uh, I, I honestly think that – don't worry about the partners that we'll match with or whatever. I, I honestly think that just there's, there's other things that go on behind the scenes that I, the way we're treated is, is just so deplorable that I wouldn't even consider doing it. I mean – if you want to be locked in a tent for hours and hours on end, separated from your peers with no entertainment, you know, you, you know, by the time you get out, of course you're ready to tear someone's head off. Yeah. So there's no, there's no surprise yeah. that when we go into the dinner parties that we're ready to, to tear each other's heads off and they, they liquor you up and they give you salads to eat. So you, right. you generally, you know, you know, you, you, you've got a gut full of piss and, and, of, and of course, you know, you got, you're going to, attentions are high as it is, you know, mm-hmm. because you haven't seen a lot of these people too. There's a lot of gossiping and a lot of everything else that goes on behind the scenes. It's like being back at high school. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's constructed for drama. It's constructed for entertainment. It's not, you know, it's not an experiment for love, unfortunately. So yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it was an experience. I actually came out the other side of it after going through the psychological help and everything else. I sort of um, came out the other side of it, and now in hindsight, 
Um, I was probably had a few uh, depression issues before I even went into the show. And I've come out the other side of it um, where I think whereby my house is cleaner and I've got a better understanding of relationships and women and, and, um, and, and you know, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I think obviously anything that tests you and then you, and you live by it, I mean, you always come out stronger. So um, I still have quite a bit of contact with uh, Josh and, and Steve um, from the show. And every now and then I hear from Vanessa Um so, you know, so I've made some lifelong friends as well. So, I mean. As well as um, lifelong enemies. <laughs> yeah. yeah as you see, like I, I probably, uh, Just a I'm not couple. exactly crying myself to sleep because of it, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, that's good. And look, it's, it's, it is good to hear that, you know, even going into the experiment, maybe you did have some struggles with your mental health and at least this kind of pushed you to the extreme to the point where you got help anyway, um, which maybe you wouldn't have done anyway, uh, you know, regardless of the experiment. So I think that that is, that's, right. that's uh, definitely a positive. Are you yeah. back on the dating scene yet? Are you seeing anyone Are you in a relationship? You're looking over your shoulder. <laughs> is, she, is she listening to this right now? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, I would say that I'm certainly seeing somebody at the moment. So yes, I can see that because she's hiding around the corner somewhere. <laughs> we're, tw- we're twinsies at the moment oh. with our, our jumpers. Um, I'm definitely batting out of my league, but um, <laughs> so, <laughs> these lockdowns helping me. She's got nowhere else to go. Uh, <laughs> So you are wearing uh, your, your, uh, you're both wearing your dusty down under jumpers. And now this is your brand, is it? Yeah. Look, it's something I was going to do before the show. I I wanted to sort of start a bit of a side hustle and a bit of a clothing brand. And, and so if you go onto my Instagram, which is Dave and Dave, the cowboy 88, I think it is. It's Dave underscore the cowboy underscore 88. I'll put it in the Um, show notes as well. And um, you'll see the link to Dusty Down Under and be able to buy a couple of hoodies and that sort of stuff, some T-shirts and hoodies, and and um, that will support me, especially through this lockdown. Um, it's obviously things are, are tough for, for, for people like me, I guess, at the moment. I'm, I'm sort of 50% self-employed through the farrier work I do, and, um, and, and the other 50% I drive a truck, so... Yeah, if someone wants to support me by buying a hoodie, that would be excellent. And I I've got your complain. Instagram up here. It's Dave underscore the underscore cowboy 88. Is that 88 on the end? It's cut off there. Yes, 88 at the end. Yeah. So there you go. You're happily in a relationship. You're moving forward in life. And everything seems to sound like you're back on track with what was kind of a whirlwind experience. Do you have any final yeah. thoughts that you want to get off your chest that you weren't able, that weren't revealed on the show or... Just anything more that you want to add? Nah, look, there is a uh, get real entertain uh, get real entertainment interview also that um, sort of explains the reality of reality TV, and I just encourage anybody that is going to go onto reality TVs to do your research mm-hmm. and make sure that you are fully aware about what you're about to throw yourself into. I sort of went into it uh, quite blinded. And, um, it's quite a dangerous thing as a very, it's a large juggernaut. And, um, that would be my only advice to anyone thinking of doing it. Um, there are some other shows like say farmer wants a wife or whatever else that, um, 
I've heard have a genuine interest in finding their their contestants um, love, but you got to understand these shows that are built on drama. They're they're not their their motivations aren't always honest. So um, it's about ratings, about dollars, about advertisement, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So my my advice to anyone doing it is not not to not do it because it, some of the cast um, f- found it quite a positive experience for them. Mm-hmm. Um, my my um, say Josh for example I mean he would say that it was a good experience for him okay um, but I, I also would say that um, he probably wasn't as poorly matched as some others in the shows so um, so yeah so I just say go in if you are going to do it do your research and go in with your eyes wide open and um, you know and I, I guess that uh, there's no hard feelings now I've moved on with my life I, I can't um, I am known as the toothbrush guy for the rest of my life, but um, <laughs> so I got to laugh it off now, you know. But um, it's funny; it's it's, it's not going to live with me forever. I mean, um, the girl that I'm I'm currently seeing, she didn't even know that I went on the TV. So okay, her friends good. Knew. You found the right girl. <laughs> <laughs> her friends knew about me before uh, she did. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there you go. But um, so you know, it's it's not forever, but. Um, you know, I just went straight back to my beautiful life in the country. So fabulous. And tell us, you've got your own podcast as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What's the name of the show? Yeah, so uh, it's called Boom Time. Uh, from <laughs> it's just on my YouTube channel, which is David Cannon, and um, I've only got a few videos up, but I, I like to interview people and, and understand their life story a little bit. Uh, one of the most successful uh, ones that I did was. We're with a, uh, a guy um, who was uh, from Iraq and he was a refugee and hearing his story was quite powerful. Mm. So, yeah, so that I, I don't mind to do a bit of a podcast, a bit more um, a, a, a this is your life type podcast. Awesome. Um, and it goes for about an hour. So if people want to have a look at that, um, that'd be great. So That sounds um, really interesting. Yeah, I, need to, I need to probably – get motivated and get somebody else uh, on there soon but it's going to be hard with this lockdown no yeah. one can come over so. yeah exactly you'll have to socially distance your microphones <laughs> have to do it through skype unfortunately yeah, but yeah. oh <laughs> no, look good. if i can manage it to talk to people in the u.s and we usually have to reschedule a few times because we're always messing up the time zone but eventually we end up in front of our computers at the same time i'm sure you can manage it (laughs) thank you so much for joining me and telling your side of the story it's been nothing short of entertaining if that if that's the word for it (laughs) i think i've nervous is what you get me that's for sure (laughs) i can see that i like it Um, i've nervous laughed my way through the the last 45 minutes but i have enjoyed myself and thank you and i'm glad that you're you're happy and you're doing really well yeah, I appreciate appreciate your time to get get my, a bit of my story out. That'd be great.